Well, if you guys don't know, my name is Pastor Dustin. I'm the youth pastor here at OSC, and I get the incredible privilege of kind of sharing uh, Daniel chapter 5 with you guys. We've been in this series called Exiles for five weeks. This is our fifth week. How many of you guys have been enjoying Dan- the book of Daniel? Um, all right, five of you. Sweet. I would, tell, I would make sure to tell Pastor Josh that. <laughs> tell Pastor Josh that five of you are enjoying it. No, um, we're, I'm excited. I'm excited about Daniel chapter 5. I'm always, it's incredibly honored to be up here every single time I'm up here. So I have a question for you guys. Start off, obviously a question. I want to see a show of hands. I'm not scared uh, to show my inner nerdiness, okay? I am a nerd uh, to my core, if you guys don't know that yet. All right, I got one person. Sweet. There we go. There we go. All right, we got a few. All right, now, show of hands, how many of you guys in here are Star Wars fans? How many of you guys are Star Wars fans? Okay, a few of you. You're like, man, die-hard Star Wars fans. How many of you guys have seen, show of hands, if you've seen the movies, but you, you're not, I, mean, I, you're, I mean, you're not necessarily a fan, but you've seen the movies. Let me see. Okay, more of you. Good, good. How many of you guys have never seen the Star Wars movies? Wow. Okay. All right. Wild, wild. I totally thought more of you guys would have seen Star Wars. My, my message is completely irrelevant now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, so like since a lot of you don't know about Star Wars, I'll give you guys like a kind of quick synopsis of what the story of Star Wars is all about. So there's, there's, there's three trilogies that they made, okay? So you guys bear with me. So there's three trilogies. There was the originals. That came out in the, like, 80s, and then there was the prequels that came out in, like, the early 2000s, and then they have the sequels that just came out, like, a couple years ago. And so, out of the Star Wars fans, how many of you guys are originals? You're, like, all about the originals? Yeah, like, two of you. Okay. So, like, most people like the originals the most, okay? They're, like, it's the, it's, it was the kickoff of Star Wars. It was a game changer in cinema. Everyone loved it. Everyone freaked out about it. It was news. Star Wars was a new thing. It was, like, a new era, right? And so, it followed this story of, do you guys know the main character? Luke Skywalker, there we go. Luke Skywalker and his and him like trying to uh, defeat the empire that was ran by Darth Vader. And so you have Luke fighting against Darth Vader, and along the way he gets some friends. One of those friends was none other than Leia, who he kind of has a slight romantic interest with for a second. And then he finds out, bam, he's she's his sister. <laughs> his sister. And so now we don't just have Luke Skywalker. We also have Leia Skywalker, basically a Skywalker. And then we go through the movies of the originals and then we get to kind of one of the final scenes in the the third movie of the original uh, trilogy. And you have the infamous line that's Luke I am your father. <laughs> Which is actually not the line for all the Star Wars fans in here. You guys know that. Like, the, he doesn't actually say that line exactly. He says uh, something else. I don't actually know what the line is, but I remember watching and I was like, wait, he doesn't actually say, Luke, I am your father. He says it in a different way. And so that's it. So now we have Luke Skywalker and then we have Leia Skywalker. So we have son Skywalker and daughter Skywalker. And now we have. Father Skywalker, okay? So we have, and then we go into the prequels in the early 2000s. Um, uh, Like I said, some of you grew up with the originals. I'm going to tell you guys, I grew up with the prequels. And so many Star Wars fans hate the prequels. Like, they hate it to their core. And I just want to be the first to tell you, I will fight you. I love the prequels. Like, I grew up with the prequels. Uh, that's, I'm all about the prequels. I love me some Jar Jar Binks, okay? Like, it just is what it is. And so, uh, that followed the story of Anakin Skywalker, which and his journey of becoming Darth Vader. So you have Luke Skywalker, Leia Skywalker, and now Anakin Skywalker. It's all about the Skywalkers. And then fast forward to just recently, we now have um, the sequels. 
And here's the thing about the sequels. Like, they're so highly anticipated, right? So, like, the originals came out in the 80s, and then so we don't get the first sequel, like the, the, the start of kind of, like, continuing the story of Luke and Leia until, like, 30 years later. Like, people were waiting 30 years to hear and know about what happened with Luke and Leia and the rest of the story. And so everyone, I remember like going to the movie theater with so much anticipation. You're like, all right, let's see what's going to happen. What is going on now? The empire has fallen, right? Like that was kind of the question. And so the infamous words start scrolling on the screen. You're like, here we go. This is it. And then you start hearing about the first order, and you're like, wait, this is a new empire. It's the same story. <laughs> it's the same exact thing. Like now there was, a, there was an empire and now there's the first order. Like there's no difference, just a different name. It's all it is. And so it followed this kind of story. The main character, her name was Ray. okay? So I'll give you guys a little bit. Like you guys don't even have to watch the movies now for the half of the crowd that, <laughs> that raised your hand. You don't even have to watch the movies. I'm going to tell it to you. So Ray, she doesn't know who she is. She, she doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't know who her parents are. And so you can, you can probably guess that, like, most Star Wars fans were like, well, I know who she is. She's a Skywalker. <laughs> Rey is a Skywalker. Like, just, like, she's, you know, she's a Jedi. She has force sensitivity. And so uh, everyone was like, she's a Jedi. She's got to be a Jedi. And so come to the last movie. And you finally, so this is a spoiler alert. For those watching online, you can, like, mute it for a second if you want. Spoiler alert. Uh, you find out who Rey actually is. She's not a Skywalker. She's actually none other than a Palpatine, which is, like, the main bad guy in the Star Wars universe. And so, like, half the crowd, I remember, in that movie theater was split. Half of them were, like... Yeah, she's not a Skywalker. And the other half was like, wait, Star Wars is all about the Skywalkers. Like, this isn't cool. But then the final scene of Star Wars, of the sequels, someone asks Rey, who are you? And she says, I'm Rey Skywalker. Facepalm for sure. Like, it's like, really? It, like, she's not a Skywalker, but now she's claiming to be a Skywalker. Okay, Star Wars is all about Skywalker. I mean, about the Skywalkers. But now we're in this in-between phase. Like, we're getting some really awesome shows like The Mandalorian. And I love The Mandalorian. But it's not about, it's not about the Skywalkers anymore. And so we're realizing, as kind of a fan base, like, we're realizing that, you know, Star Wars isn't about the Skywalkers. It's actually about a galaxy far, far away that happened a long, long time ago. Like, that's what Star Wars is about. And that's kind of where we pick up at in Daniel chapter 5. If you guys have been here for chapters 1 through 4, you kind of know how the story has been, right? It's been about Daniel and his three closest friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then and their kind of con constant conflict and resolution with King Nebuchadnezzar. It's like Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Like, like Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream, Daniel interprets it. Like they throw him, you know, they throw Daniel into the fiery furnace, I mean Shadrach, Meshach into a fiery furnace. It's like King Nebuchadnezzar, it's all about King Nebuchadnezzar. He has another dream, Daniel interprets it again. God brings Nebuchadnezzar low, he takes him out of his kingship, brings him low, humbles him. He's like eating with like as animals and stuff, if you guys didn't miss it last week. Um, if you guys missed last week, that's what kind of it was all about, like how God really humbled King Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But then, finally, after four chapters, King Nebuchadnezzar gave his life to the Lord. And so the God of Daniel became the God of King Nebuchadnezzar. And not only did he say that, that, was, that, that our God was the most powerful God, but it was his, he was his God that he now claimed to follow the creator of the universe and follow God as the one true God. Finally, the happy ending story, right, of King Nebuchadnezzar. Like, he's good, gave his life to the Lord. God restores his kingship, and he rules with honor and all kinds of stuff like that. Like, he has a great rule for the rest of his time. And where we pick up in Daniel chapter 5 is King Nebuchadnezzar is officially dead, so no more King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and you're like, wait, I thought the story of Daniel was actually about 
Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, and you realize now that the story, the book of Daniel is not just about Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, but about Daniel in this city called Babylon. And so we see a new king over Babylon. So a couple things before we start actually getting into the scripture that you guys need to know about, about Daniel chapter 5. One, so the king that is ruling now, his name is King Belshazzar. King Belshazzar. Can y'all say Belshazzar? Belshazzar. All right, y'all got it. It took me a a couple tries. (laughs) King Belshazzar. King Belshazzar is the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, you'll see in the in the verses that it'll refer to him as his father, and you need to know that actually uh, that word father translated from the original language in this chapter in this book is actually meaning ancestor. So people are going to call Nebuchadnezzar Belshazzar's father, but they just really mean ancestor because Nebuchadnezzar was King Bel's grandfather. So grandson, grandfather. We pick it up. King Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for like 20-something years, and King Belshazzar is ruling the kingdom. He's kind of co-kings with his father. And one other thing you need to know about this chapter is it is kind of hilarious, okay? So you might be thinking like, man, this message is kind of all funny. And For the most part, it is, but it's not my fault. It's the chapter's fault, okay? (laughs) It's the chapter's fault. Like, I could not help but laugh at some parts in this chapter. All right, you guys ready? You guys ready for Daniel chapter 5? Starting in verse 1, this is what we got. King Belshazzar, out the gate, verse 1 says, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. This is a great, like, this is just a mild way of putting that this dude was partying it up. This dude was like the younger, the younger, young people say, turned up. You know what I mean? Like he was turned up. <laughs> he was turning up. Uh, that's not even, I didn't even say that right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this dude was drinking. He was getting drunk with a thousand other people. This dude was parting it up. And I want you guys to see, watch what he does in verse two in his drunkenness. So it says, Belshazzar, where'd it go? There you go. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, which again is just a, a mild way of saying Belshazzar, who is now drunk, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, uh, that the king and his lords and, and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So what is this saying? So King Nebuchadnezzar, when he was ruling, he went to Jerusalem and he took all these kind of sacred cups, these chalices that he took from Jewish temples or synagogues of gold and silver cups. And so King Belshazzar, in his drunken state, he says, hey, go get those cups. We're going to drink. We're going to party with those cups. Like we're going to drink our wine from the sacred Jewish temple cups. And not only does he drink out of them, but he says it gives him to gives them to his lords and his wives plural and his concubines, which is another word for just saying his side chicks. <laughs> and so he's parting it up. <laughs> With his lords, his wives, multiple wives, and his side chicks with sacred cups that he took from Jewish temples. <laughs> like, if that is not in the, a slap in the face, God's face, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? Like, this is some serious stuff that he's doing here. And then here's the crazy part. He takes it a step further. You're like, how could it get worse? Oh, it gets worse. Watch. In verse 3, and it says, They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. They started praising other gods while they're getting drunk from, with these, from these religious cups. Now, can you imagine how big of a no-no that is? Now, if you guys have been walking with us through the last uh, kind of, you know, few weeks, you're starting to see some probably trends. Like, wait, they're, they're worshiping these other gods, and they're, like, doing these things that are kind of a slap in the face of, our, uh, of the one true God. And you're starting to probably see a trend here that uh, 
that was similar to his grandfather. You're like, wait, that's a lot of the type of stuff that King Nebuchadnezzar did. And it's true, but it gets better. It gets even more close to his grandfather's story because in in verse 5, it starts to get weird. Okay, I'm just forewarning you guys. It's starting to get, it starts to get a little weird. Watch what it says in verse 5. And it says, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as, he wrote, as it wrote. All right, so you can imagine they're, they're having fun, they're partying, whatever, doing their thing, and then a hand, so fingers begin to appear, and a floating hand begins to write words on the wall. Like, I don't know what kind of Halloween Scooby-Doo stuff is that, but I could imagine, like, if you, imagine you see that happening, right? Like, you're freaking out. Now, this, remember that this king is drunk, and seeing this happen, like it's writing word, he, it's the hand is writing words on the wall next to this lampstand to make sure that he saw it. And in his drunken state, sees the hand writing words on the wall. Okay, so that's what's happening. Now you guys can imagine his reaction. Now the following verse describes his reaction, but I thought so. Actually, I found a picture on Google of someone who, like, back in the day, drew and, like, painted this scene. And before we read, like, what his reaction was scripturally, I thought I'd show you guys this picture, okay? Like, look at this picture. This is it. This is what's happening. The floating hand writing the walls. Look at this dude's face. Like, he is terrified. (laughs) Like, this dude is scared out of uh, you know, uh, scared out of himself. Now watch what, it, watch what it says the description is in the, in the verse. There it goes. It says, and the, then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his limbs gave away, and his knees knocked together. So this dude is scared, like loses the color in his face. And some translations say that his loins became loose. This dude dropped to the ground. Right? Like, so if you guys are close to me at all, if you spend any kind of time with me, you guys know that I have a pastime. It's like my second favorite hobby of scaring people. Like, I love scaring people. Like, I, will, I am the guy who is hiding on the other side of the, the, you know, the door in the dark room ready to jump out and scare you. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. Do the people closest to me like it? No, but it's for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's for me. It's what I do. My wife, does she hate it? Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> and so, like, here's how I know I scared someone. You guys know this, right? Like, this is how, this is how I know I scared someone is when they drop to the floor. <laughs> like when, they're, when their legs just like give in and they're just like, ah, you know, like just drop down to the ground. Like that's how I know I got it. Like, dro- like their, their legs giving away and dropping to the ground, it's like, I feel like it's like one step below them just passing out from, from, from being terrified, right? And so, uh, so that's how I know I'm like, all right, I scared you well. <laughs> I scared you well. And that's what happens here. This dude loses color in his face. And just begins to, it freaks out and drops to the floor. So this, this hand that writes words on the wall, is, it, it, you guys could probably guess that it is actually a message from God. Okay, so this is God sending the hand to write words on this wall, okay? So can you guys guess, if you guys have been with us for the last four weeks, can you guys guess what his response is? You'll never guess. I'm just kidding. You could probably safely guess exactly what he does. Watch what he does. He says in Daniel 5, 7, he says, The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. And the, the king declared to the, king of Bab- uh, the wise men of Babylon. And so he calls, just like Pastor Josh said, Harry Potter, Dr. Strange, and their closest friends to come interpret these words. literally exactly like his grandfather did. Like his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar, did that twice. And he's doing it even now. Like he's, he's doing it. And and now here's the thing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, I'll spare you guys all of the verses of this chapter. 
we're going to cover a lot, but I'll skip ahead a little bit because you guys can probably guess what happens, right? If you guys have been following with us, literally the exact same story. The, uh, so he, he calls in these, the enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, and he says, hey, if you, inter- if you interpret these words, that I'll give you purple clothes, I'll give you gold chains, and I'll make you the third ruler of this kingdom. And so they're like, all right, let's go. Couldn't do it. Couldn't interpret it. Now, here's the thing about these words is they were uh, in Arabic, which would be basically plain English to us. So there was just plain English words on the wall this time. It's not no dreams or visions. Literally just like they could see the words and could not interpret them. And so it says, like, once the, they couldn't interpret them, it says, the scriptures say that the king lost color in his face yet again. The dude was terrified before. He's terrified now. He's like, what am I going to do? Like, like, I'm really worried about this. And so he's terrified. He doesn't know what to do. And it says that the, the, some translations say the queen or the queen mother walks in. And we know that it's not referring to his queens, right, because he was just parting it up with his multiple queens, and so many scholars believe that that's, this is actually his mother that walks in. So King Nebuchadnezzar's daughter walks into the room, and he reminds him. He says, hey, there's this guy named Daniel. Your grandfather used him. He interprets like, you know, he follows this God that can, you know, do the miraculous. I'm telling you, get him and bring him in, and, uh, and he'll, he'll give you the interpretation. He's like, all right, sounds good. Call for Daniel. And so he calls for Daniel, and he gives him the, the, him the same offer, just like his grand, the grandfather gave him. He said, you interpret these words, and I'll give you power, I'll give you money, I'll give you whatever your heart's desire, I will give it to you. I will give you purple clothes, gold chains, and third rule, ruler of this country, uh, of this kingdom. And now I love, love, I love Daniel's response to the king's proposal here, okay? Because watch what it says. And it says, and then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. What he's saying here, so and some of you guys are probably wondering, we're, we're looking at an older Daniel at this point. This dude is like, um, you know, probably upper 80s, early 90s. He's a little bit older in age. And, uh, and so I love this because this is, I feel like you see this in this response. Like he is an older, wiser Daniel, right? Like you can kind of see that in that because, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s and maybe even younger 40s, you start like... And it's not good, but, like, we're always all about, like, just going and getting things done and doing things. Like, man, i got to fulfill my dreams. i got to reach this. i got to get more stuff. i got to get a better house. i got to get a better car. i got to this. i got to do that. i got to it, – it's, it's too much. <laughs> and then it's like – it's almost like in, you get into your mid-40s and early 50s and something changes. You know, like, you be – like, and it's, and it's really wisdom. I want you guys to hear that. Like, this is God honoring wisdom, saying that, like, I'm going, like, I'm going to be content with what I have, and I'm not going to care about the surface-level things anymore, and I'm actually going to care about the important things, which is, like, my family, my kids, my grandkids at that point. And you start focusing on that kind of stuff. And that's the Daniel that we see here. He's like, I don't care about the surface-level stuff anymore. You can keep that stuff. Keep it for yourself. Give it to someone else. I don't care. But I'll tell you what. I'll interpret this, these words for you. Now, before he gives him the interpretation, he gives him a reminder. Now, I want you guys to bear with me for a second, because we're about to read quite a bit of scripture. It's only, actually, it's only three verses, but it feels like a lot. Um, We're about to read quite a bit of scripture. He's going to remind, Daniel is going to remind King Belshazzar of some stuff, and I want us to read through it, because I want us to remember this kind of stuff as well. And watch what it says in Daniel 5.18. It says, O oh, the king, O oh, king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father, which really means grandfather, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Continue. Whom he would, he killed. So he killed whoever he wanted. 
Whom he would, he kept alive. So he kept alive wherever he wanted. Whom he would, he raised up. Whom he would, he humbled. He raised up who he wanted. He humbled whoever he wanted. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, which means he became proud, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. Continue. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a what? Beast. And his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Keep going. And it says, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, which really is grandson, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. What does it say here? Though you knew all of this, that, that, that God did all these things with your grandfather, that he humbled him, he brought him up, that your grandfather was on this crazy journey, and you knew all of it. He's not telling Belshazzar about what happened with his grandfather. He's reminding him of what happened with his grandfather. And that's incredibly important because watch what it says. It continues, and it says, But you have lifted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines and have drank wine from them. He's reminding him of what he's doing right now. Like you're drinking out of sacred cups here. And he says, you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear, or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, the God who has your breath in his hand, that's important, and whose all your ways you have not, what? Honored. You have not honored. He says you knew everything that your grandfather went through. You were probably saw some of it with your own eyes, and you're still doing these things. You're still not honoring God with your heart. It's just not okay. And so some, some people believe that he's giving, Daniel's giving King Belshazzar this reminder because he already knows what the translation of these words are. And so he's telling him, like, I'm about to read you the, the translations of these words, the writing on this wall, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is why. This is why this, this uh, interpretation is about to happen. And so it's four words that he's going to interpret of the writing on the wall, which is a quick side note. If you guys don't know, this, the, the, the phrase, the writing on the wall, like you didn't see the writing on the wall, actually stems from this story. And so, like I said, it's the four words that are written in Persian. They're written in plain English. It was like, how do you not see the, or interpret these writings on the wall? And so you guys ready? What is the four words and what do they mean? What is Daniel's interpretation? You guys ready for it? All right, let's go for the first one. It's meni, which means numbered, which means numbered. And so his translation is, is your reign of this kingdom is numbered and it's coming to an end. Your reign of this kingdom is numbered and coming to an end. And so this first word is, is meni. And then the second word is actually mini again. So it says it twice, this, this word twice, which again means your reign of this kingdom is numbered and is coming to an end. Many people believe that it is written, God wrote it twice to emphasize how numbered King Belshazzar's uh, reign of this kingdom actually is. Like, hey, it's not just numbered. It's like, numbered, numbered, you know, like, like it's going to be short. And the, the third word is tekel, tekel, which means weighted, translated to weighted. And he says that this means you've been weighted on a scale and the scale has been tipped the wrong way. It's been tipped the wrong way. And then the last word, he uses, he uses two different words. He uses the plural version of it in the, in the scripture, and then he uses the single word of it. So the first he says it's Perez, and then when he's, he's giving him the interpretation, he uses the word parson. 
Okay, this, the parson is the singular version of the word. And we, I feel like we feel like that he used the word parson because it sounds close to Persian. Because it means divided. It means divided. And that your kingdom is divided and has been given to the Persians. So it's numbered. It's numbered. It's weighted. And it's divided. It's been given to the Persians. And so, and so that's kind of like what these words mean, what they are. And so as he interprets these words, the king, of course, holds true to his words, and he gives them purple clothes, he gives them gold chains, and he says, you're going to be the third rule, ruler of this country. Daniel, super reluctant about it. He really doesn't care about any of it, but he takes it on. But it's actually for a very, very short time, because watch, the last two verses of this chapter says this. It says, what does it say right here? The very night, the same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed. Boom. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. That very night, the Persians infiltrated Babylon and killed King Belshazzar, thus ending the, the rule of King uh, Belshazzar, and now the uh, Darius the Mede and Cyrus of the Persians now have control of the, of the kingdom of Babylon. Now, history actually knows this. History shows this, like, like historians, like this is historically accurate, okay? So if you guys don't know that, look, I have a map of the city of Babylon, This is the city of Babylon, and it doesn't show that there's walls that continue over this river. This is the Euphrates River, and it runs right through the city. And again, many people believe that the the walls actually continued over the river. This was a fortified city. Like this, it was hard to get in. And so the story goes that Darius the Mede and his Persian army they drug trenches from the Euphrates River into another body of water and slowly drained the Euphrates River. And so while Bel- King Belshazzar and all of his lords and, and wives and side chicks are all parting it up, slowly but surely the Euphrates River just starts to go down and down and down until Darius the Mede and his army just marches right in. And it actually, history shows that it was a swift and quick victory. Like there was not even a battle that had to happen because they marched right into the middle of the city and killed the king. And, and that's it. Like that's the story of King Belshazzar. And so it's like, what, what, what is this message about, <laughs> right? Like what, what is the takeaway from this chapter? Is it that is it that King Belshazzar was prideful? Definitely. Is it that, you know, that King Belshazzar followed other gods and slapped God in the face with a lot of different actions he did? Absolutely. But here's the thing is King Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, did the exact same stuff. So I'm not going to preach what Pastor Josh already preached, you know, in chapters 1 through 4. So what is new here? What is different? Like the two kings follow the exact same story, have the exact same problems. What is the difference? And I realized what is the one difference in the two stories, and it's such a major difference. Pastor Josh talked on it last week that, uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar, he got 30-plus years of grace, that he was time after time and after time again uh, King God was pursuing King Nebuchadnezzar and trying to get King Nebuchadnezzar's heart. What did King Belshazzar get but th- maybe 30-plus minutes? That's the big difference. They struggled with the same stuff. One person got 30-plus years. The other one got 30-plus minutes. How is that fair? How come he got one, you know, the, uh, King Belshazzar got one a message from God, whereas King Nebuchadnezzar got like more than one, multiple uh, messages from God. 
Why is that fair? How is that fair? And then I realized this is why. Because the grace that was given to King Nebuchadnezzar was for King Belshazzar. I'm going to say that again. The grace that was given to King Nebuchadnezzar was for King Belshazzar. Remember what Daniel 5 says. It says that, uh, that though you knew all of this, he knew everything that his grandfather went through. All of it, all of the stories, everything of, about him being brought high and brought low and how God pursued his heart, and yet he still chose to ignore it anyways. You see, God brought so much grace on King Nebuchadnezzar so he could be the example to King Belshazzar. But King Belshazzar wasn't listening. It's the same grace, just a different type of grace. And so young people in here, I want to speak to you for a second. Don't for a second think you're too good to listen to your elders. Don't for a second, young people, think you're too good to listen to your elders. That, uh, that uh, Proverbs 15.22, it says this. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Can I tell you young people in this room? That it's not, this is not talking about your boyfriend and his closest friends. Like, that is not wise counsel, okay? Like, it's just not what it is. That's not what this is talking about. What it's, what it's saying here is you get two or three older, wise, wiser men or man or woman to actually seek counsel from. Ask their opinions. And I know that maybe some of you in here, you're like, man, I want that to be my parent. I want that to be my grandparent. But, like, they're just, they're getting drunk all the time. They're, they're still like King Belshazzar. They're partying. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're chasing money. And I know, like, that, I know that that's not right. I know that I, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do what that is. But can I tell you that the King Belshazzar had the example still of what not to do with King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, yes, he may not have, you know, uh, known what to do because King Nebuchadnezzar gave his life to the Lord later in his life. But he surely knew what not to do. And he did and made the exact same mistakes that King Nebuchadnezzar did. Literally to the T, called on the same people. He should have learned from his grandfather's mistakes, but he didn't. So watch what Psalm says. It says, it says this, God sets the lonely in families. So maybe you're in here and you don't have a parent or a grandparent or one that honors God or is a good example to you. One, learn from their mistakes. But two, can I tell you that this room is filled with spiritual fathers and grandfathers and spiritual mothers and grandmothers. So maybe you're, you're in here and you're like, I just don't have anyone. I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't have anyone pouring into me. Look around, young person. There's plenty of people in here willing and able to pour themselves into you. God sets the lonely in families. Like, he puts people who are lonely into spiritual families. I would not be where I am today if it weren't for the men who have poured themselves into me. Older men, people who, men who I knew were where I wanted to be. That I would say, hey, is this a good idea? Is, should I do this? Should I not do this? And they would tell me what their wise counsel was. Watch what First Peter says. It says, Two, so actually many people probably actually know this verse, but they don't know this whole verse. It says, to who are younger, talking to younger people here, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Young person, don't be so proud to think you're too good to listen to your elders. That's that. You want to know what King Belshazzar's main problem was? It was that. Sure, he had youth that his grandfather didn't, and he thought he knew better. He thought he could be better. He thought he could make better decisions when he made the exact same mistakes that his grandfather did. Humble yourself, young person. If you are in here and you feel like I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen to my elders. Can I tell you 
that you'll probably suffer a similar fate as King Belshazzar. You think you know better? You don't. Learn from your elders' mistakes. They've been there. They've done that. They've been around longer. They've done more stuff. They've been more places. I promise you should give them your ear. (laughs) And so younger people, listen to that. Don't be prideful, but be humble in pursuing your elders' counsel. Now, I want to speak to the older people here. (laughs) Everyone's like, "Uh uh-oh, oh, no. Older people, don't let your misery be for nothing. That every ounce of misery in your life can have purpose to it. If it's, if, it, if it's while you're pursuing Jesus and honoring God with your ways in your life and you have misery in your life, can I tell you older people in this room, it is for you to grow and for those that come after you. Those are the two reasons. Those are the two purposes. And so I don't care if it's slander or sickness. I don't care if it's cancer or criticism. It is for you to grow and for those that come after you. That's the purpose of it. You may be in here and you lost a parent and you've gone through so much heartache from it, so much pain from it, so much grief from losing that parent. And it might have even been from old age. It just They just nat- died of natural causes, but it still causes so much grief. Can I tell you what young people are about to walk into too? The same season, it's for you to grow and for those that come after you. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer at 40. And I know it's painful and I know it's difficult, but can I tell you, it's for you to grow and for those that come after you. Maybe you've been in here and you lost a child and it was brutal, and it was horrible, and it was unexpected. But can I tell you that there are young people in here who are going to lose their children. This is for you to grow. And for those that come after you, don't let your misery be for nothing. It has a purpose behind it. It has meaning to it. Every millisecond of your life can have meaning if you view it for your growth and for those that come after you. There are too many young people in this congregation. They're going through hard, difficult, painful situations. They're going through their own misery. And I know that there are people in here who've been there and they've done that. And our younger people in this church need an older generation to step up and and walk with them through the tunnel and say, hey, I want to let you know that I know it's full of darkness right now, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. His name is Jesus. Let me take you there. Let me take you there. Suicide is on the rise in young people right now. Could it be that we don't have, it's because we don't have an older generation telling us, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, you're going to make it through it. Hey, I know life is hard. Hey, I know life is difficult. But if I could get through it, so can you. You can do it. Can I tell you guys, that's what legacy is. That's what legacy is all, all about. Can I tell you guys that Pastor Bubba is more alive than ever? And it's not because he's in heaven. It's not because he's in heaven, but because of the principles that he instilled in each and every one of us. The, 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 the example he was to the people that was closest to us will be alive in us forever. And so you want, to, you want your example, you want your values to extend past you. You want to live a life of, de- of legacy. Can I tell you, start investing in younger people. Many of you guys know that uh, we started a young adult ministry just recently. And so me and Pastor Josh, uh, we, you know, we sat down with kind of like a small core group of young adults, ones that we felt like, you know, like really have a lot of leadership traits and capabilities and stuff. And we really, we just took them to lunch and we're sitting around the table and we just wanted to ask them like, what do you want this ministry to look like? 
Like, what do you need? What do you feel like you need? What do you want? So I was totally going into that lunch thinking, like, oh, I know, like, you know, they, they want, like, Sunday, but for young adults. You know, they want hype. They want fun. They want games. That You know, I'm a youth pastor, so that's where my mind goes. Or maybe it's young adults, so they want to sit, you know, they want a cool environment. They want to drink coffee, sit in a coffee shop. They just want something that they can invite their friends to. They did, And though they might have mentioned all of that, you know what they focused on? You know what they said that they felt like they needed? They said, they said, we didn't tell them, they said, we need an older generation to come and pour themselves into us. They said that. They know it. The young people in this room know that they need you. And so young people, seek the older generation. Older generation, seek the young people. We need each other because your misery needs a purpose. And younger people, you need to know that your misery is just temporary. That there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And so I spoke to younger people, spoke to older people, Now I want to speak to everyone. Now I want to speak to everyone. I want you to know that the same type of grace that God extends to someone else is not the same type of grace that he may extend to you. Think about King Nebuchadnezzar. Think about King Belshazzar. He gave King Nebuchadnezzar 30 plus years. But Belshazzar got 30 plus minutes. And I know you might be thinking, well, that's not fair. That's not... That's not fair. Can I tell you, people, you don't want fair (laughs) because fair means damnation. Fair means eternity in hell. You want fair? You don't deserve grace. You don't deserve it. Every ounce of grace that you have is a gift. Like the Bible says that every breath that you breathe is a gift from God. Remember what Daniel said. It says the God who holds your breath in his hands He has control of whether or not you breathe. And so if you're in here, and maybe you've been like King Belshazzar, and you're like seeing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to pursue Jesus and give your life to the Lord and and live for him, and you've decided that you're not going to do any of that, you're going to turn, and you're going to do your own thing, and maybe you're in here and you realize like now that that's not the way to go. If you're in here, And you're like that. You're living a King Belshazzar lifestyle. Can I tell you, can I remind you that many, many, your your days are numbered. You know, James 4 says this. It says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's like the dew on the ground in the morning. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like right now in this time of year, there's always dew on the ground. And as soon as the sun comes up and touches it, it's gone. Your life is just a vapor. It's short-lived. You might have 30-plus years of grace, or you might have 30-plus minutes. I don't know, and you don't know. But what I do know is everyone has a number. Your days are numbered. Life can happen so quick. Every second you breathe is God's grace on your life, is another opportunity for you to follow Jesus. Like, I want you to understand that. Like, you're like, well, that's just not fair. I could leave here and and die a horrible death, but someone else can live 60 plus years and live their life however they want and give their life to the Lord at the end of it, that doesn't seem fair. But I'm telling you, grace is a gift. Every breath you breathe is a gift from God right now. This opportunity right now is a gift from God. God may not speak with floating hands writing on walls, but I'll tell you how he does speak. is through his word and through other people. And so can I be the hand writing on the wall this morning for you and tell you, many, many, your days are numbered. It is time to repent. It's time to turn from your ways. This is God's grace on your life that you're even here this morning hearing this. Don't be like King Belshazzar. Give your life to the Lord 
this morning. Give your life to your Savior, the one who loves you unconditionally, like loves you now, loved you then, will love you. There's nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. A Savior that would die for you today if he needed to. Many people are like, well, yeah, that, that's the Savior. He died like 2,000 years ago. No, you don't realize, like, if God needed to die for you today, he would. He loves you that much. And so give your life to the Lord, the one who holds your breath in his hand and is still choosing to hold it for a season to give you more and more grace. And so with every head bowed, and eyes closed, no looking around. I know Pastor Josh, last week, he had like people stand up. I'm not going to do that today, this morning. And if that's you, if you feel like, man, I'm just like King Belshazzar. I'm just li- I've been living a worldly life. I know better, but I haven't been following Jesus. I've been partying. I've been doing whatever. I've been following my own ways. But today is the time. I want grace. I want to accept God's grace on my life. I want to go another second with the potential of my breath stopping before I give my life to Jesus. If that's you and you want to give your life to the Lord today, no, no one looking around. Can you just lift your hand right now where you're sitting? If you want to give your life to the Lord today. Okay, I see you. I see you in the back. I see you see you. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. We're not going to recite a prayer. I felt like I felt like I didn't want to do that today. I felt led that I just want you right now. This might get awkward for a second. And if you're online and maybe you're giving your life to the Lord, do this too. Just sit and just start talking to God. Start repenting of your sins to him. I'm not going to pray a prayer for you. We're not going to pray a prayer together. Just begin to start talking to him. You've got to learn to talk to him anyways. Just begin to start thanking God for his grace on your life. Just thank him for all the grace he's given you. The undeserving gift of salvation that is resting upon you now. Just begin to thank him for that. Just begin to give him thanks for that. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for speaking through your word. Thank you for giving examples like King Nebuchadnezzar and and King Belshazzar for us to learn from. Thank you for your grace on our lives. However old we are, that's just... It's just the number of years you've given us grace, and we just thank you for that, God. Pray you stir our affections for discipleship in this house. That we have older generations discipling and pouring into younger ones. Just Even just this morning, God, I pray that you give us boldness just to pursue and just start conversations. Just to get to know one another. Give us boldness in that. In Jesus' name, amen.